0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're
1: freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone
0: find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd.
1: I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate.
0: First off, I want to thank many of you that joined us yesterday for our first ever Reddit AMA, or we decided it's called an AUA—Ask Us Anything. Yes, and that was actually Indeed. very cool. It it was rapid fire. It was very funny. Paul and I were both on separate computers in the same room, both logged in to the same account at the same time. It's The
1: only way to tackle this.
0: And so we were. We would, we would go. I've got this one. Oh, I've got that one. And then we would both start laughing. It was it was completely ridiculous. We almost needed a video cam on that because uh, just just the v- streaming video of that would have been hysterical. But we are back now for another podcast. Happy Tuesday. We have uh, two podcasts this week. We have videos this week. It's another week at Everyday Driver, and it's awesome.
1: Hey, guys. Welcome. We've got a really cool topic Tuesday. I have a a recipe to share with everybody. Oh, okay. And we've also got a little bit of car news to get into. The 2022 Lexus IS500 F Sport has been dropped. Mm -hmm. 472 horsepower with a V8. By the way, Lexus, I would like to say, if at some point you offered a manual transmission with that car... It wouldn't do anything for sales, but you would sure endear yourselves to legions of car enthusiast fans. We would be okay it with it. Miss yes. the V eight manual transmission.
0: We did f- they, thought those days were behind. Do they even have one they could use? I don't think they do.
1: They don't. Not to my knowledge, they don't. But yeah. if they could just you know email some other car companies, <laughs> got any transmissions we could throw in this? Toyota we'll you, knows
0: how to collaborate. You know they're, they're big about collaborations or right or now. Something there you they go. Are. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: What if that could happen? I love that they've done this, by the way. Yeah. And they have tuned it with adaptive suspension and steering to continue the linearity, the linear feeling that mm-hmm. we did note in our review of the 350.
0: Yeah. Well, we had the we had the 300. The 300. Excuse the all-wheel me, the 300. drive. And that was… Uh, that was, the thing was we surprising said, in it weird was ways. Because this is a refined chassis for them. And we mentioned in that test drive, you can find it on the test drive channel, we drove it the same day as the Infiniti 400 Red Sport. And I want to circle back to that. But we said it when we were in that IS300. We said, wouldn't this be cool with Lexus's big V8? Now, we're not thinking that they did it because we said something. I'm imagining uh, a lot not. of people did. No. And I'm sure this was on the planning board 18 months to two years ago. Oh, it would have had to but be. But yeah. this, this V8 is actually really good. That naturally aspirated V8 that they have has been in lots of things, including the LC I feel like we always like that engine. We but do. But the packaging is yeah. not always as good as the engine is. And that was the issue with the last full-on Lexus ISF.
1: Yes, yes. Is
0: that It was a fantastic engine in an okay chassis. And the M3
1: exists. Mm-hmm.
0: And the, yes. But the new IS chassis is nicely refined, I'll be very curious to see what this V8 is like in that. I did also notice that they did the diagonal stacking of the tailpipes like they did on the old they ISF. Did. They yeah. did, yeah. So it's definitely a nod without being the new ISF. I'm curious for sure.
1: They had an opportunity here to maybe endear themselves as an enthusiast, kind of at least enthusiast trim levels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and drop that V8 in there. And even though the styling had to change on the hood, that it was a compromise to stuff the V8, <laughs> it, it, it had to get wart like. You thought the e90 series had a wart it does no 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 well okay fair this one does and i wonder actually about what that's done on the front end handling because of the weight of the v8 over the front wheels now so i'm a very curious bit there if very curious it. to know
0: what the weight difference is yeah we could
1: have a winner on our hands as a matter of fact yeah we we would love to drive it lexus toyota if you're listening we'd love to drive that send us our way and we will create a video We won't jump it. We promise not to jump it. We won't jump that Well,
0: because we we only jump the things that have jump detection apparently. Mm -hmm. The the interesting thing about this for me is the existence of that Infinity Red Sport. Okay. Where the only thing about that Infinity Red Sport that was really compelling is this is a lot of power for the money. (laughs) This is pretty fast,
1: pretty quick. Here comes
0: this Lexus contribution that has, let's be honest, more horsepower and about as much torque as that uh, Red Sport does if memory serves. I forget the torque number on the Red Sport. But... I think the Lexus is a lot more interesting, and it's a lot more current. The mm, Infiniti yes. is hanging on. Watch our test drive on that.
1: Stylistically, mechanically. They've ride. added two
0: screens because they just put yeah. in the same instrument panel. I mean, Nissan is rapidly replacing their entire lineup. I wonder if Infiniti is going to follow. I, there's They're long overdue for updates. They're doing it right now. It's like
1: the tablecloth trick out from under the glasses. Mm-hmm. They're going to do that at some point, and suddenly all the models in their showroom will just go away.
0: <laughs> we closed on Friday, we opened on Monday with yes. the all new. This is whip
1: the tablecloth out. That's very
0: Here's funny. all the
1: new models. Surprise. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about last year last week. No, here's all the no, new. No, none new of new us models. were
0: here Friday. It was a totally it's totally exactly. different totally different. <laughs> exactly I, I am curious about this i s three hundred uh, pardon me five hundred because we only have the three hundred i 'm very curious to uh, to drive it because yeah. I think it has real potential. Lexus is now for the first time in their company history they talked about it at length with us mm-hmm. when they sent us the LC and also the i s They are now trying to find what they call like the Lexus driving signature or something it 's their attempt to make the Lexus brand also equivalent with fun to drive
1: yes i They're welcome very that.
0: curious to see yes. how they execute that and this uh
1: this 500 is intriguing it's a start they even sent us vr goggles explaining the lexus driving experience that we of course had to get back but it was you know put it on your head and be immersed in the history and where lexus has been where we're going and then here's this new thing
0: this is what i loved about that it's great it, in in a world In a world where we couldn't go to the actual press launch, they sent VR goggles of the press launch to us. This is how desperate you are to share your PowerPoint, (laughs) that you were sending it out, preloaded onto a... I mean, honestly, I'm making fun. I thought I was quite impressed, but it was still very funny to me that that I picked up those goggles Mm -hmm. like, you really, really need me to see this presentation because you've sent goggles to immerse me in it. Immerse away.
1: Season 8 is available on Amazon Prime and Vimeo. By the way, the Mazda 3 Turbo versus the Golf R is already on YouTube. If you Mm -hmm. haven't seen it, please leave us a comment. Please watch. And we really like that car. As a matter of fact, we currently have... the the same car not the same car but another turbo mm-hmm. in our press rotation yeah and liking it all over again and remembering with fondness how much we do like it and we do recommend it to many of you on the podcast and we'll continue it's so very good
0: i'm most surprised by how well it executes its all wheel drive yeah, and how yeah. often when you put your foot in it you feel the back half of the car involved i am so yes, conditioned yes. at this point to have a front wheel drive chassis that is now in all wheel drive and i'm talking Pick your manufacturer. I'm talking SUVs. I'm talking hatchbacks, everything. 90% of them, you are never aware that the back half of the car is doing anything.
1: Well, mainly because it's on demand. Yes.
0: That's why. Exactly. And this one, they have they have cracked it. Yes. I am so yeah. impressed with how active the back half of that is. I will say their current torsion beam suspension thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's great until it's not. Meaning, until okay. you find that yeah. perfect road combination that works against it, I happen to find a road in Salt Lake, a section of the freeway that is like consistently washboard bumpy.
1: Okay, and all
0: of a sudden the torsion beam was really bad. It
1: reared its. Ugly but the rest hang. of the time, pretty great. And
0: the fact that they've made that car drive as well as it does with torsion beam and now all-wheel drive and turbo, it, it's a manual transmission away from a you must try one of these.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's even very still. Good. And the cheap car cheap sports car challenge continues. A tire testing video is coming which we mm-hmm. performed in the winter, but it wasn't just in the winter. It was in a blizzard. <laughs> yeah. It was snowing sideways. We were cold. We and were very cold. we were cold. dedicated because we were testing tires. These weren't all weather tires, but it was what we talk about. It was winter tires versus all seasons. What is the actual difference? And not just in braking performance, but just turn it, just handling at low yeah. speeds. And the moose test was involved.
0: Luckily, just there was not no, no real moose were harmed. in the No making animals of this at all video, were harmed. It was still
1: very fun. It was. A moose made of cones. And
0: it was also one yes. of those moments, and this doesn't happen often, but you know, we're doing what we do. It is a job, and every now and then you have your days where you're like, I don't know that I'm liking this. That was one of those days when we got done with the shoot, and I was ecstatic because yeah, the middle of cold. the shoot was really yeah. unbelievably cold and sideways blowing. But at the same time, I kept saying to myself two things. One, I really am having this crazy life experience, and it is my job, which was very cool. <laughs> but also, we asked for bad weather. That's true. We didn't shoot this piece for two months waiting for genuinely bad weather, and it was just kind of like God said, here you go.
1: And boy, did we come away with a mountain of non-scientific empirical data. Well, there were right?
0: sections where there are shots that are unusable because the camera snowed over. It,
1: yeah, I, I remember chipping ice snowed off the lens.
0: Snowed over. You start, what's great is I, you, you watch the shot progress. I didn't put it in the piece, but I'll tell you about it now. You watch the shot progress. You start with a clear lens. I can see across the parking lot that we use in our Tones for okay. reference. And, and, and if, you run, if you run it like three times real speed, it's hysterical because you just watch the lens cloud over and turn into this, this white blob so because it just snowed this into nothing. Video. Practically. We need
1: to release it as the follow-up. Like, here's what actually happened. Yeah. Here's the one we want you to see, but here's what actually went down. The cameras completely <laughs> snowed in. It, and, and we kept walking
0: over with a lens cloth and going yeah. clean. Yeah. Give it a minute. It's done again.
1: You've heard us talk about drive homework. Because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before and we
0: hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car.
1: Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Today's Topic Tuesday is brought to you by Michael D. Listening in Poland. Michael, thank you so much for writing to us. You discovered the podcast through recommendations on Reddit. Oh, that's cool. And loving it. Really appreciate you jumping on. He used to listen to it on his daily commute, and recently he's been having a dilemma. He decided to have two cars, a daily and a fun weekend car. Like it. But he wants his daily to be fun, too. So he currently owns a 2002 MX-5 Miata. And a 1996 Civic with an LPG conversion. That is a liquid petroleum gas, so it's dual fuel essentially. Yeah. He really loves his Miata. He drove it to Austria and went on Grossglockner, a word I can't pronounce, but it means Grossglockner High Alpine Road. <laughs> it ends in, in Strava, though. Strasse, Strava, Stra- 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 yes. Strasse, yes, Strasse. Sorry, I did that wrong. He says it was an amazing and eye opening experience. Made him really appreciate his MX-5, and he says for a long time a thought was circling in his mind that he couldn't put into words until Mighty Car Mods did it for him on one of their episodes. Different cars make you feel different things. All right, that's fair. He wants to experience all of the cars that he can, and right now he wants to replace the Civic. Ideally, he needs something with all-wheel drive because he lives in the mountains and the winters can get rough. He sent photos. Today, the day that he sent his email, it was negative 11 Celsius during the day and negative 18 Celsius during the night. Pictures attached. They're Mounds
0: cold. of snow. They're cold. Yeah. Did you know at negative 35, they match Fahrenheit and Celsius? Which isn't, doesn't okay. really matter because at that point, it's just cold. But it, that's the place where they cross over. Negative 35. Today's
1: science lesson brought to you by Everyday Driver. By, by
0: this idiot over here. Yeah, exactly. But 11, <laughs> negative 11C and negative 18C, either way, it doesn't matter. Cold, lots of snow. The, he's got one of those pictures of his gate. Sorry, mm-hmm. this is on my mind. We just we just changed the gate at my house. And I told my wife, we can't put the gate there because it's going to snow in. Ah. I lost this discussion. We put the gate there. Guess what? The gate snows in. He's got a picture of his gate snowed in. It's like, you won't open that gate till spring. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's all
1: ice at the bottom. Awesome. All right, well, he says two-wheel drive cars wouldn't get him home. He had to leave his Civic a few houses away, and he doesn't really need lots of room or a big boot. He mainly drives alone. An ideal car that comes to his mind is something like an STI or the newly released Toyota GR Yaris, but for cars like that, he would have to buy them on finance, he says. So here comes the question, since he wants to experience many different cars, and there are many amazing options in between the Civic and the cars that he has listed. The examples are a Bart 500, Fiesta ST, the EP3 Civic Type R and many BMWs. Yeah, true. He doesn't want to rob himself of the experiences those cars provide, but he's afraid that newer, more expensive cars will spoil those experiences for him, even when those cars don't necessarily meet his criteria, like having all-wheel drive. So how should he progress through his automotive life? Should he gradually progress through different cars until he eventually gets up to the one that fits the bill, Or should he just get the more expensive car that checks all the boxes? Mm. He really loves the new GR Yaris, but can't see himself going back to simpler, older cars, at least as a daily. He is aware there are some cars that are cheap fun and have all-wheel drive like older WRXs, but they have other drawbacks like they're a wagon or they're ugly or they're in poor condition or good quality (laughs) ones are more expensive. This is hard. Yeah. And he's asking about a general method to buy cars. So what would we advise him to do? He should probably add he's not interested in SUVs, crossovers, or off-road vehicles of any kind because he doesn't like sitting high up. That's interesting.
0: Okay. My wife's big problem with the Mazda 3 is that the seats don't go up enough. Oh. And I'm sitting there beside her going – I like the fact that it sits low. Mister Torso looked over and said, "Yes, what's your problem?" Exactly. I still look down on her, but at the same time, but no, that's the thing I actually like about it is that you're actually sitting down low in the car. She's like, "Why won't this seat go up?" And I'm thinking, "Really?" It is amazing how people. are Kids, Mister
1: Torso is here! Yes, Mister Torso.
0: I do that floppy thing that they do outside car dealers. <laughs> that's right. I, I do that naturally. It's awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, Michael, again, thanks for writing. I have crafted an ownership recipe. Oh wow! Okay. You have already told us what you like and don't like. Okay. So that's a great start. You've already identified those things. And it very much depends on your age that you discover cars and what your current life and family responsibilities are. It also depends on when you discover what kind of engine and chassis and size of car layout that you like as a driver. This can only come from consuming lots of car content, but mainly experiencing them.
0: Yeah. Driving stuff.
1: Now, I have never owned a hot hatchback. I've realized this. We've driven lots of them. I could see myself owning one, but I've never gotten around to it at this point because it's become less of a priority as far as a driving experience, a car ownership experience.
0: And you have it. You have overlap with other things that would do what a hot hatch would do, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, Michael, my, my love for track driving also only grows, and so I personally need something to fulfill that desire. I, I don't see that ever going away. Okay. So first, step one. Define or categorize the balance of your driving styles, whether that's a commute, a short or long, a normal daily slash hauling, towing people kind of issue or requirement, Mm -hmm. a canyon driving requirement or a track requirement like autocross or drifting or HPDE or tenant driving or a series or a gentleman driver kind of track driving. What one do you like to do the most? Not what do you do the most? What do you like to do the most? The thing that you like to do is probably outweighed by the thing you do the most.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: Once you have determined that, place your current importance level on each of those driving activities. In your case, it's two. So two cars. I get it. Mm -hmm. And then what kind of chassis and engine configuration do you like the most? Step four. How many cars do you want? Or can afford either in space or desire or budget at any given time. And number five is a very important one, and that is discuss with your significant other. (laughs) <laughs> they absolutely factor into your decision-making yeah. because you might find yourself needing to do this categorization recipe with a bathroom or a kitchen remodel or a new indoor <laughs> outdoor furniture set. That's not Michael's
0: situation, but it's clearly someone listening is having that situation right now.
1: You might be familiar with brands like Kate Spade or Michael Kors or Mark Jacobs handbags or a very expensive trip to home Depot. And by the way, why don't you and I create an app for this? We're creating an app now. Why don't we create an app for this? The, the the ownership recipe throughout your automotive life.
0: Okay. Some app person is currently writing us an email. I hear you. I hear yes. the, the, the keys.
1: And so once you do all these things, I think it will give you not just a better understanding, but just seeing it written down, I think okay. will kind of help you determine what do I like? Because look, I do like high horsepower, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have to own a Hellcat in my life. Fair I consider point. my Cayman GTS... Pretty good horsepower. That's that's a lot. Yeah. It's only 340.
0: It's not some supercharged uh, Ram TRX pickup no. <laughs> come to destroy the world and to scream at you the entire... It's not exactly. that. Yeah.
1: By the way, Michael, side note on that. You're not into off-road vehicles. I get it. But you're not into them until you get a taste of the Ram TRX. <laughs> and then it all might change. It has the most interesting statement I've ever read on a Monroni. Okay. It says, quote, not for sale or use outside the United States. I've never seen that on a vehicle So what's going to
0: happen when the first military person – hi to all of you that listen and travel all over the world because you do write us about I'm traveling here and I'm traveling there. And many of you tell us I'm able to ship my car from the U.S. Can you ship a Ram TRX? This is my question. I'm Mm. assuming you can. I want to see a Ram TRX. I just want to see a photo of a Ram TRX going down some tiny street, some tiny B-roll in like England or Germany. Yeah. Where where they barely fit like small Ford transit vans. I'm telling you, the TRX is it it's so ridiculously large. It, it's it dwarfs. Unreal. It dwarfs a Hummer H one, folks. And I know we all think the Hummer H one is the biggest thing ever. It's not, it's and not. it's really, really been surpassed. I just want to see one of those. Driven by some military personnel <laughs> through a tiny town in Germany. Yes.
1: By the way, we did test that Top speed limiter says 118 miles an hour. We can confirm the limiter does kick in.
0: I can confirm that 118 miles an hour is the top speed of the Ram TRX. Those tires are singing. They sing at 118.
1: And by the way, we got the trip computer, the average miles per gallon readout Mm -hmm. on the instrument panel. We got that down to 9.1 MPG average. (laughs) Single digits. If you work hard and you single set digits. your mind to
0: something, you can, dedicate yourself. you can
1: accomplish anything. We did it, 9.1.
0: Congratulations. That's really all we've done for the podcast <laughs> is to drive something, get you single digits, and now we're finished. Now, Michael, this is, this is very interesting. The thing I think is intriguing for you is this two-car scenario because you've said, how are you going to know when you get to the car that is the way you like it? And I'm going to submit to you, you won't. I don't think you're going to land on a car at some point in your life and be like, this is it, it. I'm done. If you're really like a person that loves cars, you may be like me. I landed on the Lotus. I love it. I don't want to ever see it go. But if the Lotus stands in the way of me having other car ownership experiences, I will have to decide that the Lotus has to go.
1: Interesting.
0: Because I love it. But I don't want to own it in spite of owning something else that I'm intrigued by. Preventing you from yes. owning other things. Yes. Fair. If I can keep the Lotus indefinitely, I would love to because it's uh, it's special to <laughs> me. I have experiences. It's a moment in time. Car. All of the reasons. The idea is to only add, right? Yes, right. ideally. But if life doesn't allow that, this is a car that I'll be honest with you. It checks every box for me that I can think of as a person that loves to drive. Mm-hmm. But I don't want it to stop me. And okay. I don't want it to be like, well, I'm just done here. I'm just done. So I don't know, Michael, that you're ever going to find, even as exploring cars, you're young enough. I think you're going to have tons of cars in your life. I don't think you're going to find where you're just going to be like, this is it. This is where I stop. So I want you to use these two cars in your life as an opportunity to bounce back and forth. Okay. What I think you should do is get yourself a new commuter. And I don't think you should be afraid of getting something that is nice to be in. Because you haven't had a modern car, nice interior experience yet. Yeah, And you have yeah. this classic Miata. So that does all of the focused driver stuff. So now balance that out. It's, it's not the same, but it's almost like I had a Lotus and I bought a Phaeton. Okay? <laughs> it, but Get yourself something that is more modern, has modern tech, has nice heated seats, has all-wheel drive, feels nice. And that could be a wide swath of things. I've got a couple ideas for you. But it could be a wide swath of things. But let yourself have that experience as a driver mm-hmm. while you keep driving your Miata, which is the other end of the spectrum. Now, the next thing to swap down the line is the Miata for something else in the two-seat focused car perspective. Then you swap back to what's my new commuter. You can bounce back and forth on this idea almost indefinitely. Try lots of things. I don't think that having something that has modern tech is going to make you not want anything that is raw and simple.
1: I, agree I to actually that. think. I, I agree. And, yes. and I say this
0: because this has been our life experience. I think the more things you drive, the more you start to appreciate. It's that tool for the job thing. You start to appreciate. Right now, today, I'd like really nice heated seats and great tech. But you know what? Tomorrow I'm going on a good drive, so that car doesn't go. I need to take the Miata.
1: Michael, I want you to be open to emotion there's nothing like cars that open up that channel of emotion in us and it changes throughout your life there are foods that I didn't like as a kid that I love as an adult I never liked olives and lemons and tomatoes I love that stuff now you can have all of mine I know <laughs>
0: all that stuff goes over there it's
1: simply an example
0: I know but I, but, but this, this is how <laughs> I'm still a child I, I will admit it
1: it's all good but The emotions and how we perceive, I want you to be open to that changing throughout your life. Yeah. The things that you think, I'm not saying when you're old, it's only, you know, squishy cars. Not at all. You could be into the hardest, most hardcore, raw, like, you've got a fleet of caterims when you're 70 or something. I don't know.
0: Oh, it's that guy. It's It's Michael, the old guy that only drives the (laughs) caterims in the middle of the winter.
1: (laughs) At least he has winter tires. (laughs) He just, he, he just
0: goes <laughs> through town at a constant drift. He never drives forward. Just Except goes through please. town at a slide. Happiest that old guy. man on the planet.
1: I'm, what I'm saying is nothing like cars that open up that emotion to us. And a few years later, you might think, yeah, I'm, I'm not into that so much anymore. And the thing that I'm into now is tapping in a, into a new something that I love about that. It might be lighter weight, it might be heavier, it might be so. It doesn't necessarily have to be a progression in terms of weight. Well, that just means you know when we're in our 20s, we got to start with Caterhams and Lotus Sevens and graduate to a Miata and maybe an FRS, and then you know what I mean. And then by the time we're 80, we're driving Rolls Royce Cullinans.
0: Something I need something in the 6,000 pound range. Can the you help heaviest, me?
1: Heaviest, ugliest thing I can think
0: of it. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. It's heavy, but at least it's ugly. It's it's Good these are, these are positives. Yeah,
1: it's gonna ebb and flow. It's gonna go up and down, and so I want you to be open that open to that. I do like your idea to focus on one thing, and now you live with your collection for one to two years, mm-hmm. and now your focus is on the other thing. Yeah, and yeah. live with that for one to two years because now the first thing is now two to four to five years old, and therefore eligible for a refresh but that's that emotion and what you're doing with your cars and your family responsibilities back to my list but then throw all that out because (laughs) (laughs)
0: here's the list now toss that now that you finished writing it down
1: crumple that up toss it over your shoulder that non-scientific part of us just wants that car that next thing i want to experience that and i've tasted a little because somebody gave me a ride and i i felt it a little bit and i want to own that be open to that because the progression is not linear in any That's way. fair.
0: That's fair. Yeah.
1: I mean, linear from a Lotus Elise is go-karts. <laughs> we got to go lighter. <laughs> what car is lighter? No longer street legal. Name yeah. a lighter car. Yeah. An A18?
0: The the Caterham would, would, would suffice. It, it, is that better? But happier? I don't have any interest.
1: Yeah. Maybe not. So maybe maybe an it's Ariel a Adam. Yeah. 1M or... You know, an Avora or something else Sure. That, you know, appeals sure. to you that's different, but now it's tapping into another part of you, and you're going to enjoy that for a few years. I well, don't see my Porsche love ever going away, but, you know, different Porsche models. That's why they make true. a variety of models. True. Uh,
0: a few cars I want to list for you real quick, Michael. I think you should look into, and depending on what your budget is for your area in Poland and what you can find used, I'm just looking at things that I think you could get used that would be an interesting commuter change-up. Mm. Golf R. mm mm-hmm. Audi A3. Okay. You mentioned the BMW 135iX that would be intriguing. I like that. I actually wonder for you though, a used Audi TT. You haven't had anything German? Hmm. It's all-wheel drive. Interesting. Because it's an Audi German all-wheel drive, it's going to have a very nice interior. But you haven't left that your older Civic is a smallish car. Your Miata is very small. I don't want to get you anything that feels too big, but I want you getting something that feels nice and you feel confident in all-wheel drive in the snow. I just thought, find yourself an old Audi TT, put some winter tires on it. It's interesting. Yeah. Now, early Audi TTs were money pits. So look for a little bit newer ones. Get the What's the newest one you can actually afford? And then look up current known issues and make sure those are solved. Because people I knew that had an Audi TT after the first-gen really liked them. People I knew that had a first-gen Audi TT <laughs> really never want them. to buy another Audi. That, right. They were burned that hard by that car. Wow. So That's I Because I can think of three people off the top of my head that I knew that bought first-gen Audi TTs no and swore off the brand. You're kidding me. So I know they've gotten better because I know a couple people that have owned multiple TTs and loved them. Huh. So so look for known issues, chase those. But I think that might be an interesting alt to your Miata is to have a TT.
1: Michael, let us know what you decide. Keep us posted. Loved your Topic Tuesday. I do like your TTs. There's a myriad of cars. It's almost like the cars that are not the standouts in every category, but they're 8s. They're 7s. They're good. Mm. And for that reason, they're less expensive.
0: Possibly I think the all wheel drive thing is an interesting twist here, and that will that will change his buying i I don 't think you should spring for a brand new sti i don't you mentioned that
1: I agree because it's
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. honestly it's not nice enough for the money it's the performance all wheel drive it it has history they are fun to drive I'm not going to deny any of that, but you also said you're curious about the Yaris because you know it's fun, but you want something nicer so i 'm just i'm feeling from you let's make that commute car a good place to be. And then figure out, I, I would love it if you guys got the, uh, the Mazda 3 all-wheel drive turbo, but you don't. Cars are made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without driving cars we really love. Luckily, the folks at Haggerty feel the same way. That's why they support this show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for their enthusiast vehicles, but that also includes classic cars,
1: trucks, motorcycles, collectibles, and even boats. They also protect raced vehicles off the track and can even insure vehicles on the track for HPDE events and track days. In fact, we use Hagerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive the Cayman in a lease on our local track, and it adds huge peace of mind. Learn more about Hagerty and quote insurance at hagerty.com
0: slash Everyday Driver. Daniel writes in from Southern California. Uh, Daniel, is your uh, is your fiance listening? Oh, she absolutely, probably she's listening. is listening now. Does does she know? about this letter you wrote into to us because the title here is that you need to buy a fun car before you get married. And the subtext of that is you feel like everyone you know that got married stopped buying fun cars. So while you're headed toward marriage, you're going to buy it before you're married and you can buy in your finances so that you can't have a minister of finance denial on your next fun car. You're a detailer for a living. Mm-hmm. I suspect that your fiancé knows about your car love. I really wonder if she would restrict if not, you buying fun. Yeah, by the way. Now is the not, time. Hi. <laughs> I know you may not have met Daniel yet, but apparently you have because you're engaged. So, um, yeah. you know, by the way, he likes cars a lot. I, I'd be surprised if she restricted that in you. But I will admit that once you get married, a lot of the priorities shift. So you do have to balance that. My wife keeps going, yeah, buy that car. Because she's like, with well, what money? She knows that I'm, I'm guarded. So anyway, the question here is buying that fun car Getting married in three months. Must buy it now.
1: <laughs> well, in 2019, he was in the market to buy a Lexus GS, but ended up with a Lotus Elise, thanks to you guys, he said,
0: I consider that a successful story right there. Those <laughs> cars done. are not the same. Was buying a Lexus GS and bought a Lotus Elise.
1: That's almost three-quarters of the spectrum of sacrifice. Somewhere in there. You've the jumped GS, a long way. It's, it's yeah, yeah, dramatic. yeah. But he says after having major back problems, we're very sorry, and sold the car only a few months after ownership, since driving the Lotus was making his back worse. I could see that. He currently has a 2015 Lexus RC 350 F Sport and a 2015 Mazda 3 hatchback. Although he loves the Lexus RC, he says he miss having a car misses having a car. He wants to drive hard and take the track, so he's planning on selling the Lexus. Keeping the Mazda 3 is the daily and buying a weekend fun toy. I actually like that plan. I think it's a good plan. It's an excellent plan. I'm just concerned about anything too hardcore that will aggravate your back injury. It's going to be a seats question. It's uh, it really is. going to be a seats question. It really is. He says he's 32, has gone through 21 cars in total. Wow. He's 32 years old, 21 cars.
0: You've been busy. Your fiance knows you like cars. I'm just putting it out there. There's no way she doesn't. Your your, your wife to be is going to be one of the people in a couple years that writes us a letter about how he he won't stop. He won't stop. Help him stop. And we're not going to help you stop. We're going to encourage you to keep buying cars. This is That's not what we're the here place
1: for. For us to help you stop. This list of 21 cars includes a couple of AP2 Honda S2000s, a Fiat 500 Abarth, a Mitsubishi Evo 8, an 5 STI. A Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4, hey. an MR2 Turbo, and a tuned BMW 335i. He has experienced many different platforms and is running out of ideas to find his next fun car.
0: I've had them all. That's funny. It's it's in quite big contrast to Michael at the top of the podcast where he was asking, how do I experience more stuff? (laughs) Here we have Daniel kind of going, haven't I kind of done it? Haven't I kind of done it all?
1: (laughs) The headlines here are that Daniel wants a car that has a timeless look, preferably a manual, will retain its value well, and feels connected to the road. Factors that do not matter are gas mileage, insurance cost, and age of the vehicle. The budget is 25 grand, but he knows I'm going to throw that out the window. He will say his absolute ceiling is $30,000 dollars. All right all right. The number one choice he keeps thinking about is the E92 or E90 M3. He says this car is a joy to drive, and the V8 is intoxicating. We agree. He has also thought about another lease, but they've gone up in price the past year. Have you been checking prices?
0: They've gone up a bit.
1: Are they still 30? Are they above 30? Like They're, your car
0: uh, my car I mean my car's got 70,000 miles. Uh-huh. So my car is probably about a thirty thousand dollar lease. If you want to get a low mile lease and you want to get a late model lease, bring forty five. If you want to get an 05, you can get them for around thirty still, Huh. around there. Interesting. Depends entirely on the condition. If they're one of those no sure. mile cars, sure. you can't bring thirty. Just, you better bring more. Yeah.
1: Well, get this: the cars Daniel has driven already and does not want are the Miata, any Corvettes, and the Toyota eighty six.
0: I don't have anything else to say. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do here, wow. Daniel. I'm completely confused now. <laughs> you took out all the usual suspects. I can't say Miata. I can't just. I can't bring up Corvette, and I can't talk about the '86 chassis. This I'm baffled. This is
1: why. I I was intrigued by this email.
0: I also do think it's fun that you have considered it a lease again in spite of the fact that you remember that it hurts your back. Right, right. I think that's great. They are awesome, though.
1: He also says, P.S. If we bring our cars to Southern California, he will give us a nice detail for free. Daniel, very kind of you. That is cool. All right. So I want to start in, Daniel, here and ask you what is timeless. You're Mm. asking for the next car that you own to skyrocket. Well, maybe not. You said you want it to hold its value. See, this is a thing. Sorry, side rant. This, this is a tough
0: thing to put on a car. Cars intrinsically lose their value. That's
1: what they do. They If you find a car that does not, you have found the massive exception that proves the rule. Well, you're now a speculative buyer, and you have a lot of money to be able to do so. And the only ones that seem to actually really go up are the ones that somebody bought
0: for too much and never drove. Pretty much of any make or model
1: of any. So I, even the...
0: The like, ridiculous ones that are like the no-mile Honda Civic from the 90s that somebody sold for way too much. Yeah. I mean, this kind of stuff. I, I see those get sold, and it makes me sad because I realize you're never going to be driven anyway, and they were paid way too much. When you force a car to hold its value,
1: you limit yourself from buying great cars. And well, that, you limit yourself from driving it and enjoying it. Excellent point. Excellent point. You might and, own it. Yeah. It's a thing that owns you now.
0: Yeah, and, and there's... I consider the value lost on a car to be the experience experience cost. You yeah. got yeah. these experiences out of having this and guess what? It's worth less than when you bought it. That's the cost of owning it. Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, houses typically go up. Cars, guess what? Go down. Yeah. For the most part. Again, the auction sites have ruined us all. We see on a weekly basis the list of new auction sites is growing.
0: You know what I hear when I
1: when I hear somebody say, this one's
0: got the plastic on the seats, I think, is going to rot sitting still.
1: Yes, you try to fire that thing up and all your seals are going to explode. But you know that if somebody buys one of the plastic job. on the seats,
0: all they're going to do is roll it onto a trailer, hope the tires don't turn to dust because it's yeah.
1: original tires, yeah. and then they're going to roll it back off the trailer, leave the plastic on the seats, and never drive it. My other question to you, Daniel is what kind of driving are you going to do with this weekend fun toy? Yeah. Are we talking just California wine country? Are we talking Canyon and track? What What are we talking? You can only determine that, and that will hopefully dictate your expenditure here. The level of cars on auction sites that you can now find on them is, it's maddening. I don't know if auction sites are for you or not. I can't decide. Because you're looking for something that doesn't go out of style. I understand the Elise could be back on that list, To my knowledge, regarding your list, I think you've owned zero Porsches, but I I could entirely be wrong. We don't have that full list. You're clearly so sick of everything that you're willing to drive, I think, a car with less power, suboptimal handling, and zero modern safety features. Interesting. In other words, because you've had such a long list of ideal, brilliant, tasty driver's cars, Mm -hmm. you don't want anything that prevents that connection of you to the raw machinery. I can see that. Just a guess. We just filmed a kit car episode. Actually, it's the Haggerty episode. Yeah, you could say it's a kit car, but we look at it as from a driving experiential perspective. Mm-hmm. Porsche three fifty six replicas are thirty to forty thousand dollars. I see where you are. Fully built Daytona coupes, the Type sixty five coupe that we drove, there are maybe sixty five. Yeah, or up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it depends engine, on who bought it, how they, how they how they build it. Yeah, there's other Cobra replicas. There's factory five eight one eights. I want you to start thinking in that headspace. That's interesting. Because of the comparison of driving enjoyment that we found, that no longer had a dollar value on it. It was either the same on a on the very low end or the same on the very high end. Those Cobra coupes, the continuation cars, are half a million. The real ones are twenty million. Yeah,
0: and not going to be driven. Yeah,
1: Re- non replica Porsche three fifty six. The real ones are four hundred and ten thousand dollars. <laughs> It's what is the delta of of driving enjoyment for yeah. a weekend fun car that isn't to be found on some middle of the road replica?
0: A guy in a Porsche three fifty six replica is driving along theoretically behind a guy in a three fifty six four hundred thousand dollar car. Are you telling me the guy in the $400,000 car is having 100 times more fun than the guy behind him? <laughs> Don't believe it's possible. Don't believe it. Don't think so. In fact, uh-huh. because the $400,000 car is worth so much, it's very possible he's having less fun than the guy in the replica. <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's terrified.
1: Oh, uh, there's sand and gravel. I hear I hear things hitting the bodywork. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Interesting point. I love that. I have recommendations for you. Some of them could go up in value. Maybe some are going to take they're going to be not in your budget but i want to suggest them because they'll get you thinking i might be out of my tree with this porsche 912 suggestion Hmm. i I might be right out of my tree but 987 cayman are on your list for 30 grand got to be on your list agreed but you know what's else on your list you've had on a lease how about a year 2000 Lotus Esprit V8 twin turbo manual for thirty five thousand dollars? You told us in your email you love V8s. You love Lotus. Mm-hmm. It's the only Lotus I know with a V8 in it.
0: <laughs> Problem solved. Hello, and they're
1: thirty five thousand dollars. Problem solved. Yes, and it's a weekend car. Okay, and so it'll be driven just enough, but it's not going to be beat on because I don't know how much those will crumble into dust. He I don't has, know. He has it the
0: it. Mazda that will run. Yeah. This is, this is what we can lean on, yeah.
1: Lotus Esprit V8 okay. Twin right. Turbo Manual 35K. You could also look at a similar car to that, and that's the first-generation Acura NSX. Yeah, but those are 60. They are. I warned you. But here's my last suggestion for you. It's, it's a weird wild card. A sports car under $8,000, a la our Cheap Sports Car Challenge. Okay. Pick one. Boxster, SLK, Z4, Z3, something. That will be the weekend car with an eye towards saving towards your auction impulse purchase. When something comes along and you just want it and you snipe everybody.
0: Okay. Okay. I like this a lot, Daniel. Paul and I did not go the same place on this at all, which is very cool. I like when that happens. I have a few things to discuss for you. First off, you really like the E90 generation BMW M3. It is very fun. Mm-hmm. That V8 sounds wonderful. It's fun to drive. I actually prefer it. The E92 is the coupe. I prefer it in the E94 door with a 6-speed. Yeah, that is cool. a sleeper. So your cool. wife, I can. you know, you know I'll go this way. Your future wife, her parents will think you were responsible. It's just a four-door BMW. He's, call- <laughs> he's 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 thinking about his future family. If you bought it car- to who? Cute. You did it my friend you did it. You bought it they're going to think it's responsible though cuz it's just a nice yeah, four door yeah. it's just a nice four door BMW you really were responsible. No you weren't. The problem the problem <laughs> was started up in front of them. That generation M3 is you said you want to track this car. They drink consumables like it's water. Mm. Gasoline, tires, brakes, they fly through consumables yeah. at an alarming rate. So yeah. uh, that that's my yeah. concern with that as I think it would be fun. I think you would enjoy it when you got to drive it. I think you would go, what have I done when you tracked it? Yep. Not because I don't yep. think it would hold up. I think you will leave your track day needing tires and brakes completely. Yep. yep. Let alone the tanks of gas you went through because that thing just, I'm telling you, it guzzles. <laughs> so I don't know that that's your answer. But staying in that vein, I have an alt for you. is the bottom of the Chevy SS market. Get a Chevy SS in manual, and that is probably going to just hang right onto its value. You think? And I think your consumables will be less and certainly less expensive than the BMW if you track it. Well, yeah, it is a Chevy. We've tracked the Chevy SS,
1: and I was genuinely surprised by it. So I think it was decent. It was surprising with magnetic ride. That's what you need yes, on track, and yes. it is good. It is delightful. So it
0: is the bottom of that market. They're not going anywhere. I, I'm struggling honestly, Daniel, against your discussion about you want the car to hang on to its value. I think, I think that limits you a lot here. Paul already mentioned. I'm going to go there. You should really take a serious look at the Porsche Boxster or Cayman. Mm. That 987 generation, which is the 05 to 2012 range, that range is what we're talking about. Those you can find for your budget, they will be great. And that's a car you can go track. Now, Porsche consumables are expensive, but you're not going to go through them nearly as fast as you would on an M3.
1: Yeah, the M3, yeah, so good. It's good, but but
0: it's heavy, and it just flows through stuff. So I think uh, the Porsche Boxster or the Cayman would be a great track car. I also had a similar thought to you, though, Paul, and that is I wonder about going classic. What about going back a bit? I went to 90s cars as well. Did you? I thought of the uh, the 240.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I thought of the – actually, that's older even than the 90s. But I thought of the 240. I thought of the 300ZX from the 90s. Oh, sure. I thought of a late 80s,
1: maybe early 90s Porsche 944. I mean – the the Z you can get a nice Z for a lot less than thirty. Yes, and you get a you can get three nine forty fours for thirty grand.
0: Yes, you can. I mean, in all of these cases, I don't think you'll spend all your budget. You'll have something that you can do a little bit of work on, but they're light and they're communicative, and so and there are parts available for those. All of the above that yeah, I mentioned, yeah, yeah. you can find parts for. Them. It's not like this this weird unicorn you can't find anything. So you could go track it, burn through less. It also doesn't have to be precious. Mm-hmm. Buy one that's fifteen grand. Sure, yeah. And just spend less than your budget and just enjoy that car and enjoy it as a track car and a fun car and enjoy that it's lighter weight, but it isn't as small as things like the Miata. So I think that's a real option as well. And then you could, while you're shopping in this market, if, you're, if you really want to stay BMW, you could look at Z3s or Z4s. Mm, those sure. are out there, too. Yeah. The, the Z4 I really like, actually, but it has no steering feel at all. The Z3 has some good steering feel but can be quite rough riding, so take your debates there. But those are options as well.
1: Yeah, see? Cheap sports car challenge. Do your own. Mm-hmm. Spend eight or less. And then, ooh, plan a trip. So you, you snipe some auction. You get a brand-new car. Surprise! <laughs> and you're taking your new wife on a getaway weekend just for the two of you in your new car. You're happy. She's happy.
0: Hopefully, depending on how much she likes road
1: trips. Let's Hopefully. see how this goes. And depending on the car, how well it yeah, rides. Yeah, yeah, Ford race fans' wife tends to pack a lot on weekend trips. <laughs> I saw this too. Hmm. Which car has more luggage space? The Cayman, the 911, or the AMG GT? Well, wow. Uh, the 911, it does have the back seat. You can throw stuff back there, but it's only got the trunk. Okay? The Cayman is surprising because it has two. It's got mm-hmm. the front trunk and the rear. The AMG GT is... Quite good on rear space, but it's shallow. It's wide and yeah. long, but it's shallow. Yeah. So what sort of luggage
0: what, Yeah, what is she packing? Yeah, um, you, you won't be able to see out the back window, but you can get a lot back there. Tennis yeah.
1: racket collection, then AMG GT. <laughs> Shoes, you know, clothes, i Cayman is so surprising.
0: It is because it has both. I, I agree with that. That actually is quite a bit. It depends on what you're fitting in your 911. because the 911 oddball is the fact that it has those, <clears throat> you can't see the air quotes, back seats. And that really becomes luggage space. I suspect yeah. that that back seat, if you packed it floor to ceiling, you could probably find yourself putting more in a 911 than either of the other two. But how do you want to pack and what are you packing? I agree to Paul's mm-hmm. point there. I think the Cayman might win it in a it normal might. bag scenario. Yeah. Our friend Chad, if you haven't heard it already, we have an episode of the podcast called The Police Are Here. And our friend Chad is a local police officer. He's a local sheriff, and he was in on that podcast. It was actually very, very fun. We'll have to have him back at some point. He's asking about Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. This is a man that spends a lot of time in cars. <laughs> yes. And he's saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. He said, I have my phone Bluetooth. And then he asked himself, is Bluetooth a word? <laughs> what is the process of Bluetoothing your phone to a car? Is it is it now properly Bluetooth? <laughs> Oof, I've Bluetoothed it. He's asking, he says he feels like he uses Bluetooth the same way as he would use Apple CarPlay. Why do we like Apple CarPlay? What's the deal? Chad, I'm I'm suspecting you speak to your phone as Siri all the time. If I say, hey, Siri, on the podcast, how many of you just had your phones wake up? Most of you. (laughs) But the question that I have here, I suspect you use Siri to connect to your car or your patrol vehicle or whatever and so you ask her to play you something or you ask her to read the text or whatever and you're right that is quite similar to what Apple CarPlay does I don't use my phone that way so I don't I never talk to Siri when it's just my phone I don't know why I just never got into that but I do in the car which is weird the thing I think is interesting about using Apple CarPlay is the fact that you never have to pick up your phone for anything
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: the interface is entirely the interface you're used to. The other thing I love about it is we get into so many cars, I have finally been able to lock myself into a universal interface. Right. I don't have to learn That's it. 45 steps down so that I can figure out. Because We've had some cars. That's, I hate to mention <clears throat> Kia that has been really hard to connect your phone via Bluetooth. Yeah, that was a strange one. In the modern time, it's like this should be easier. Yeah, yeah. I also, side note, don't really like wireless Apple CarPlay because I find it really doesn't work depending upon the interference in your area. We've had that on a few sure. cars, different brands. I'm hoping it gets better from here. It's bound to get better. But so far, I've found that to be a little in- in- intermittent. So I love the fact that you can get in a car, plug in, Apple CarPlay's there. Yeah. yeah, Instantly, you have an interface that you know. You say you don't need nav. I get that. But the whole interface, you want to jump to this podcast. You want to jump to an audio book. You want to jump back to your music. You want to make a phone call. You never have to pick up your phone. Mm -hmm. and it's closer to your eyesight, and also the interfaces on most cars, the actual tactile interface is usable enough now that you can do it without looking, which you couldn't do with your phone. Right.
1: Some of them fail, Alexis, but most of them are good. (laughs) Sean Fisher 5 says, what should I upgrade first? Should he go from run flats to Pilot Sport 4Ss? Or from OEM suspension to Bilstein shocks and springs. Oh, yeah. There's a clear price. Answer here. Price is roughly equivalent. The answer. Now, we're running a little bit blind because we don't know the car. True. And we don't know what the usage is. True. But I will say I'm going to go with like 98, 99% surety here. Tires, tires Tires first because the run flats are terrible run flats. We don't like because of the sidewall and they're specifically designed so they can be run flats. Mm -hmm. The handling is dramatic from run flats to any other tire, but it is also dramatic to spending money on the pilot sport fours. I am shocked at how good they are. What we want you to do is experience your car with good tires first before you change anything else. Yes. The suspension will be better. Of course. Yes. There will be less body lean, all that kind of stuff. But you need to feel in stages, tires first, the connection from your car to the ground. That's step one.
0: I also think backing up your play here, the problem with suspension mods is it's really easy to get those wrong. You make it yes. you make it better in one way. Oh, it's much better on the track, but it's so much worse on the street. Yes. Or vice versa. It's really yep. easy to get wrong because typically what the manufacturer has done is they've they've landed on in most cases a pretty good compromise for a suspension. Not always, but generally.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Run flats are done as a "quote unquote" safety feature, and the minute that you go, yes, you know what? If yes. I get a flat, I will deal. Run and flat then comes you, before performance. Then you exactly. Then you walk away from a run flat. and You get a non-run flat tire. You will notice such a difference in performance. I think you might find I'm okay with the suspension now.
1: Yeah, and I just I think run flats make you live in fear. Like oh, well I'm I'm covered. I can go up to 50 miles an hour for 60 miles in just. When do you really need to do no that? Truck. How
0: often do you no need to do truck. that? Parker asks, would we rather drive a supercharged car or a turbocharged car for all purposes? What's our preference? I think Paul and I disagree here, but I'm always going to say supercharger. And the reason is because a supercharger, while typically you don't get as big a power gain from a supercharger as you often get from turbo, the thing I like about him, I had one on my uh, Mini that I had, was a supercharged Mini, we have one on the current Hellcat pickup sitting in the driveway. There is the fun supercharger wine, but the thing I like about it is the fact that it maintains much closer to a naturally aspirated throttle pedal than a turbo does mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the the granular there's a weird granular feel to a throttle pedal for a naturally aspirated car that goes away a bit from a turbo because the turbo is you know off and now on. And so there's not the the little tiny nuances you can do with the throttle pedal that you can in something like a Miata or an 86 or something like that. If you have a supercharged car, it maintains some of that feel better than a turbo, and that's why I prefer supercharged cars.
1: They are excellent. I wouldn't mind getting a supercharger on the Expedition. But I will say turbocharger for me because it takes more crank horsepower to run the supercharger in itself mm-hmm. that robs you of power initially – even though supercharged cars are powerful. Yeah. But variable vein technology and newer turbos, it depends on the car. The WRX is like a light switch. And there's a few others that are like nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I will say turbo because of smaller displacement. And I, I love that feel. I love that. Oh, that, I know you do. Oof. You're a big fan of turbo. Big, big fan. What else on here? Tim Norman says have performance in sports cars gotten too large? Yes. <laughs> Example <laughs> Mustang, right again, Tim. Yes. <laughs> Camaro, yes. Corvette, yes. Porsche 911s, yeah. Maybe it's just him since his first new car was a 73 MGB. Its size made him feel like he was integrated into the car. New cars do not. Yes, it is manufacturing techniques. It is model positioning. Hey, let's make that car bigger so we can introduce a new model and slot it in right below.
0: It's also people saying, I could do with a little bit more room on their. What's your satisfaction form? (laughs) And also, we've got all of the safety tech that has to be hardcore now. And we want all that technology in our car. Do you know that a a keyless entry system weighs like 40 pounds, 40 to 50 pounds? No kidding. I didn't know that. So it's almost always better to not have that if you're worried about weight. Seats alone, Tim? Oh my gosh. You would be
1: astounded by what seats weigh. In AMG cars, we love them. Because of all the things they do, there's no way they don't weigh 200 pounds each. When you there's you've got no a seat
0: that massages you and heats and cools and memorizes and everything Adjusts else, every which way. Yes. Yeah. yes.
1: The airbags, the standard the wiring harnesses with more tech. That's just added weight,
0: straight up weight. Kirk asks about a best high performance, all season tire for a hot hatch. He says, you know, we've tested a few. He has Bridgestone Potenzas and he'd he like some, but he doesn't feel like they're very grippy. He doesn't need winter tires. He doesn't live in an area that needs that, but he sees cold mornings and rain. So what's a good performance all season? I'm going to say something. I'm going to get angry letters. I almost always am disappointed by Bridgestones as performance tires. Now, I love the Blizzaks for are The are awesome. They though. are, so they are the thing. Yeah, I just almost yeah. always feel like I wish the tires were better when I'm driving a Potenza. I don't know why that's the case, but I just feel that way. I think you should try the tires you just put on your uh, Mercedes, Paul. This is the Michelin Pilot Pilot. Four AS, yeah, I really like them. They are they are not as good as the PS four. They're not the straight up performance tire, but as an all season tire, they have incredible performance capability, and yet they are a very solid all season tire. In fact, I read something recently because I'm a tire geek that the difference between the three plus that I have on the BMW and the four that you have mm-hmm. is like a ten plus percentage improvement in snow capability. That's a pretty big shift in one tire generation. It's great. And it kept that's all great. of its – if you look up, look it up on Tire Rack or anybody that's done reviews, consumer reports, etc. they do very, very well in the wet, and they have really good grip and performance. I would just say that one. Philippa Rodriguez says a question that is – he's trying to catch us out. I'm just going to go there. He's, he's trying to catch us out. Considering that our cheap sports cars, what their original price was and what they're worth now, and the fact that we keep doing things to them, not, not a lot, thankfully, what is tuning out of class for our cheap sports cars after we do performance brakes and suspension and tires and these kind of things, what's tuning out of class? I see where you are. If I buy a car for $7,000 and I put $7,000 into it, aren't I guilty? And I would say yes. But I think the key thing here is if you have put money into your car that would have allowed you to get a significantly better car, you've tuned out of class. If I bought a $7,000 BMW Z4, and guess what? I did. If I bought one of those... And I put tires on it. Well, tires are consumable. I almost think that's a wash. You're going to put tires on whatever tires. I haven't even done that yet. But I did buy winters. I put suspension on it because it was bad, and then I just drive it. I've spent probably about ten grand on a car total. I don't think I could buy a much better car for ten grand than what that Z4 is. So I don't know that I've tuned out of class.
1: So are you calling yourself sort of a wash right now on that car? I think just at the neutral... moment I'm on
0: the edge. Okay. If I were to spend you know, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars in that car. I am getting into a car that costs sixteen grand. I could have bought a nicer car than my seven thousand dollars Z four, yeah. But I also think that tires don't have to be counted because everybody should be buying tires. If you are buying, or I'll put it this way: Here is my caveat, Philippa. If you are buying something for your car because it is something that wears out. You currently have a car that you just bought. You would like to put brakes on it. And guess what? The brakes are worn out. And so you bought a little bit better brakes. You had to replace the brakes anyway. You bought something from Power Stop. Agreed. Because the brakes were bad. And guess what? Your brakes are a little bit better now. You had to spend money on brakes. I don't think that's tuning out of class. It's the chasing of,
1: I want this car to be something it's not. Buy the car you should have bought. Yeah. See, your suspension was just replacing the suspension. I fear my Mercedes is kind of going right now. Mm-hmm. I've been bottoming out lately. Oh, man. And tires, all the consumables that doesn't count. That's just replacement cost. If even if it's slightly better, but it's the same price, that doesn't count. It's the I added a supercharger or a turbocharger. I did the yeah, you know, the suspension change and adjustable anything. I put a big brake kit on it. Did you know? Yeah, because I'm at sixty five hundred dollars for my car. Yeah. If I spend twenty two hundred dollars, that's a third of the car's price. True. But yet, could you buy a better car for eight or nine grand? Maybe, maybe there might be a few Boxsters out there that I would prefer. So that's kind of right on the cusp. But any more than that,
0: yes. But I don't think you'd buy an eight thousand dollar Boxster and feel like I got a massive upgrade. (laughs) I won. The chassis Um, would feel better. The chassis would be, and I'd like the steering better. But I I think you would be looking around your eight thousand dollar Boxster, going, "Yeah, this car was cheap." Yeah, probably. Todd Beachy asks the question. I think about modern turbo engines. He says, "We've got modern turbos of four or maybe even three cylinders that are putting out horsepower that surpasses old V sixes, which is very impressive, by the way." You have that, but yet the naturally aspirated V sixes—will uh, they run better? Are these super turboed, cranked within into their life, tiny little turbo motors? Are they going to be as reliable as a just naturally breathing V six? Todd, I don't think they will be. I I think the problem that we have here is machines, the more complicated they get, the more
1: stuff that can break.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Range Rover is plagued with bad reliability ratings, but Range Rover at the same time is putting in everything they can possibly find technology onto every one of their trucks. You can't get a base Range Rover that has nothing, really. You know (laughs) what I mean? And you wouldn't want one. So uh, this is the problem. If you buy the really expensive like Turbo S Porsches or whatever the, the cutting edge of technology is, guess what? That stuff breaks, which is why they don't maintain their value and they aren't as reliable as the more base model. I think this is the issue with more complicated turbo motors is I think their longevity potential is lessened. But most of us aren't driving cars for 150,000, 200,000 miles to actually be able to have a comparison of that. And it's not the kind of thing that even somebody like Consumer Reports is going to do. They're not going to have their, here's our 200,000-mile car. But I think ultimately they're going to cost more.
1: Yeah, agreed. Well, look, those 200,000-mile Toyota Camrys with their super understressed engine. True. it's why it lasts so long. Yes, absolutely. But now, is it fun? Is that the fun Mm -hmm. car you want to drive? No, I want a super high-strung Mitsubishi Evo.
0: (laughs) Bring that over here. It's Tune
1: with crazy unbeknownst ECU Tunes. (laughs) This this is a two-liter naturally
0: aspirated Camry. This is a (laughs) two-liter naturally aspirated Mitsubishi. I will be over at Mitsubishi land. Exactly. Until the transmission grenades itself, and then I will die cackling. Exactly.
1: That is the trade-off of fun that you have to be willing to pay, that we, the collective we, have to be willing to pay to go get that fun and— you know what what is the car going to be used for? Who's commuting in their Evo in their tuned Evo? Who's you, know, putting <laughs> 000, you on
0: the 405
1: Yeah who's putting two hundred thousand miles on their Evo and just, yeah, I use it for commute. I use it for traffic. No. You can expect something to go wrong soon. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. We always appreciate it. Love the interaction. And yeah, we just completed our first AMA, AUA on Reddit. (laughs) kind of funny answering even more questions on there. So that will be actually pinned as the AMA on there. So if you missed that, you can see some great questions Mm -hmm. and our responses to that. We had uh, a lot of fun doing it. And hopefully we can do it again. Please send your topic Tuesdays, your car debates, and all your car conclusions to us, at EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Thanks all for your support and uh, looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.